Good morning, LL Nation. What's good with it? I know everybody was up late last night. Probably just like us. But we're glad to be with you right here the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I am Sean Davis at SD2Mikes, the dude right there, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. We might have, let's start out with this before we get to the news of the day. LA Coliseum probably got more entertainment than it had all fall. <laughs> Nothing much went on with the USC Trojans, but it was a packed house last night as Kanye and Drake did a um, concert in support of Larry Hoover Sr. and trying to get him from being incarcerated. It was a fantastic I I don't know how to describe it, man. It was, it was, just it was like, nice to see something of an experience like that, but the thing is, people did not like Drake's song choices. That, well, see, Drake had to stay away. This just shows you how shady Drake is and how petty Drake is. See, Drake had to stay away from stuff that was like anything that has subliminals in it that we really rock with. Like he's on stage with the dude. Well, he had to drop for no friends in the industry. You know he had to. Right. That's the, that's the ultimate one right there. He had right. right. But so, for, the, for the for the essence of the concert, way too sexy is not a free Larry Hoover. No, he's not getting free off of that song <laughs> at all. I was kind of shocked when he went to that one. Yeah. And I thought called... classics. Kanye was dropping his classics. See, last night for me was a sneak peek into if, if, if they actually had a versus, if, if, in my opinion, it would be tough for Drake to beat Ye. It would be, it would be oh, tough. It'll be tough, but Drake didn't drop any versus type quality in my opinion. And, and let me tell you why. I think Kanye has more energy hits than Drake. Drake has a lot of melodic hits. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? In a versus that might not go as hard, Kanye has like some dude because Kanye not only had his tracks, but he had like a little band off to the side, little rock band. Little choir off to the side. So, yo, it was, man, it was a fantastic concert. It was a free concert. So, I mean, I don't know what you expected. I, I was hoping that other people would come out. Other guests will come out. I mean, what what other guests do you need to see? You got the two biggest stars on the planet. Bro, I mean, but come on, man. You know that connections. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yo, it would have been cool if both of them brought Travis out on stage. Because I know most people want to stay away Travis. right now. Listen to what I'm saying. Because for me... Kanye and Drake could have gone the route of Biggie and Tupac. In the sense that Drake was just like Pac throwing subliminals. Yeah. Mentioning the man's wife. You know, it was the same thing Pac, same strategy Pac was using with Big. And finally, it seems like Kanye just kind of like said, yo, look, man, either you did or you didn't. And if you did, just tell me. Just tell me, you know, Kanye's so funny. Kanye's so funny. You know? Just let me know right now. Yeah, and if you didn't, let's go out here and make this music and make this bag. 
And it's good to see them back together. And I thought they could have used the same healing energy to bring Travis out in front of everybody and say, yo, okay, we understand what happened. They could have just went straight into Astro World, rocked that out, and, and let them walk off stage. Let them walk off, yeah. Travis. Because this Travis interview was terrible. Oh, the one with Charlemagne? Hey, you know. The Charlotte Shane. Charlotte, Charlotte Shane. <laughs> so that was the start of the evening right there, man. And I, I found out about it maybe like an hour before. And yep. uh shout out to my friend. daughter. Shout out to my daughter for calling me. She actually went. See, I wanted to I wanted to hear how cool the smoke machine stage was. That was a that was a cool stage setup. She was texting me saying, yo. It was visible from from you know the stands. Yeah. Everything was visible. And another thing, she man, it was so dope when they came down. Chicago people know this when the choir came down and all black representing, you know, the South Side and Larry Hoover. You have to be from Chicago to know about that. She texts me saying, and this this made me feel like I raised her right. She sent <laughs> text, she sent a text and said South Side. And I was yeah, like, Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I raised her right. She's out in Cali, but she's still from the south side. That's my baby. All right, Lucky Lucky Nation, let's get to it. Let's hit that morning bell. News, Notre Dame. We'll start off. We should have mentioned this yesterday, bro. Shout out to freshman point guard Olivia Miles, you know, of the Notre Dame on the basketball team. Man, second triple-double in Notre Dame history. 11 points, 13 boards, 13 assists, and a 72 to 55 win for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And, you know, when you really think about it, it's the second one. Jackie Young, back in 2019, got the very first triple double in Notre Dame history. I was really shocked by that because I just thought Sky Digg would have had, you know, naturally you think Skyler didn't have a triple double. No rebounds. She didn't get boards. She is not getting no boards. Well, that's true. That's true. She she's not she's not gritty like that. I agree with that. I agree with that. So big weekend, big recruiting weekend coming up, and it's a big game this weekend on the campus. Kentucky, John Calipari, the Wildcats. They you know they come in the face Notre Dame, and we know it's a big recruiting weekend. We talked about it yesterday with all the commits and offers coming in for a second official visit. Lafonso Ellis. Had to give him a shout out from the state of Lincoln, East St. Louis, Lampier. That's right, Lafonso Ellis. Notre Dame great is going to have his number put in the ring of honor. Wow. Yeah. At halftime of the Notre Dame Kentucky game. That's dope. That dope. Williams, we talked about his recruitment. We talked about Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese getting out to see him on the West Coast. He has some interesting things to say that I think might be a sneak peek into what we might see in the Fiesta Bowl and starting next year with Tommy Reese as the offensive coordinator. He says that, yes, I solidified my commitment to Notre Dame, but I'm still going to take my visit to USC. You know, this is a big uh, weekend for USC. You being out there, they have about 12 to 13 kids from Southern Cal the SoCal area coming in for an official visit this weekend. C.J. Williams will be one of those guys. He said after the visit, he'll sit down with his family. So Notre Dame fans have to sweat through one more weekend when it comes to C.J. Williams. 
Uh, Malik and I really gave a nice little scouting report on how good he is yesterday. So you can go check the episode from yesterday. And then, you know, once we get through him, this is what he said. He said, I think Tommy Reese will open the offense more after talking to him. Scheme-wise, the offense seemed to be built around tight ends and running backs. That won't be the case moving forward. Now, that is pretty good to hear. And that gets me amped up to see what we're going to see in the Fiesta Bowl from one Tommy Reese, man. Thank you for watching Lucky Lefty Podcast. This has been a great start to the show. Coming up, we got Chris Fink, Slippery Fox 10. He's going to be joining us to talk about Oklahoma State wide receivers versus Notre Dame wide receivers. We talked about Kevin Austin being ranked 10th on Mel Kuyper's big board. We still think he should come back for one more year. We'll talk to Chris Fink about that and get his thoughts in just a moment. Let's get back to some more news. Mike Elston hit the East Coast. He's going hard after the top defensive lineman of the 2023 class. He got to see Jason Moore, DeMatha, Nicholas Harbor, a good counsel, Neil Avery of Saint uh, of uh, Archbishop, and then Devin Houston of St. James Prep. Now, 40 foot, uh, Jason Moore is 45th overall in the nation, and then 21st overall is Nicholas Harbor. He's the number one defensive lineman in the class of 2023. Notre Dame is in a really good spot with Jason Moore and Nicholas Harbor as they got in earlier than most. And they're going, you know, look at competing with Michigan, Penn State, most of the Big Ten schools. It's very hard, Malik, to get like a big time defensive lineman out of the South to come up north. So if you're going to get big time defensive linemen, you usually have to go to the coast if you know the name, the East Coast or the West Coast. Well, we do pull big D linemen. You think of guys like Stefan to it. We was able to snag him and just imagine sure, a, guy, yeah. a guy from uh, the South that does come up. We get we end up turning him into a guy like Stefan to it. So um, it's a little harder to do it because the STC is how strong it is, but. You know, Marcus Freeman factor, hopefully we can snag just one or two. We don't need yeah. all of them, but one or two would be nice. Yeah, let's get through the rest of this news so we can get to Chris Fink. Chris O'Leary was in my neck of the woods. He was down in Kankakee. That's literally 15 minutes from my crib, suburbs of Chicago, to check out Zaire Hill. He's a great athlete, great wide receiver, and they're looking at him to play defensive back. He's a lockdown corner, flat out. Lockdown corner runs about a 4-3. Might get to a 4-2 when you get him in the weight room. This kid is fantastic. The Kankakee uh, really jumped up this season. Kankakee, they went on a run. They lost to Fenwick in the state championship game, and this is when this kid uh, really jumped on the scene in his junior season. So look for Jaya Hill from Kankakee High School out of Illinois. Chris O'Leary was checking him out. And uh, it's very rare that you get speed like that. Yeah, from the Chicago area. I'm a man. I'm gonna keep it 100. The last guy that was from the same conference actually was AJ Henning, and they came down between Notre Dame and Michigan. And you've seen how big the big plays AJ Henning has made for the Wolverines this season. Hey, those are the ones we can't. We gotta stop losing those uh those type those type of recruitment battles, especially guys that are so close to home. Yeah, Carnell Tate, Dale Alexander checked in on him, and he also went to see Lakelands. Four-star wide receiver Tyler Williams putting in work. Dale Alexander trying to get that wide receiver core built and deeper at Notre Dame. All right, let's get it done, man. Lucky Lefty Podcast, we thank you for all your comments and questions. We'll get to it shortly. And we get ready to bring in former Notre Dame wide receiver 
and all around. This dude right here, man, he was a technician, right? And so when I used to watch him, you know, you ever watch somebody and you see him come out and you say to yourself, man, I wonder how this kid is going to be. And the more you watched him, it was like, yo, you fell in love. I remember the first touchdown that I saw him catch. That I was like, yo, this dude, that was the Michigan game, right? When he went up over the top. For the touchdown. He, I don't know. He should have done this to the dude. Not even before that started, but he definitely should have. He definitely <laughs> should have. That was the best play. He should have got him. Man, welcome to the Lucky Lefty Podcast. None other than former Notre Dame wide receiver and former NFL wide receiver. Chris Fink, welcome into the Lucky Lefty Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for the generous intro, Sean. And hello, Malik. It's good yeah. to be on the show. Thank you guys for having me. Yo, <laughs> before we get to the breakdown of what we're going to be talking about, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm still trying to keep playing football. So I I got hurt during training camp and I'm basically right. just staying in shape and, you know, waiting to see if my agent will call me with anything coming through the pipeline. But, you know, nothing so far, but still chasing the dream as of now. How's rehab coming, man? You know, I know you in camp with the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Yep. Yeah, this is the Chiefs got hurt pretty early in camp. So it's been long enough now that I feel real good. So I'm just, um, you know, staying in shape, running routes and working out and hoping uh, hoping I get another opportunity. But we'll see. So the Lucky Lefty podcast, we say we spin it different. Nice. Is the, is the spin different from uh, – <laughs> Yeah, tell, talk about the spin. Yeah, the spin different from Patrick Mahomes. Did you get an opportunity to catch a ball from that dude? I did. The spin, The spin itself, if we're taking it literally. I would say is not that different. But, <laughs> yeah, we're telling you literally. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I, you know, I, I was a you know undrafted guy. I got signed in the offseason free agent, so I, I started kind of at the bottom. I did work my way up to get a few reps with the ones, and there's this one specifically where it's just like a four verts concept, and uh, in the huddle, he's just he's calling the play. He goes, "All right, where's my seam?" And I, you know, I say, "That's me." He's like, "All right, you like." Nicholas can come down on you. You got to get around him and then snap around him real quick. It's going to be in your chest. And, like, exactly as he said it, it happened. Like, I watched it on film, and, like, I, I'm barely finished with my release, and he's cocked back about to throw the ball and, like, squeezing, like, a tiny window. And, like, it, I mean, he's just on, like, a different level. <laughs> Man, we got Chris Fink here on the Lucky Lefty podcast. Before we get into the breakdown of the Notre Dame wide receivers against the Oklahoma State wide receivers in the Fiesta Bowl, your thoughts about Marcus Freeman as the head coach and kudos to you and some of your former teammates. I want to say you guys really had a spaces days before the announcement came and pretty much just said, yo, this, this dude is the next head coach at Notre Dame. Did you guys really feel that in the moment or is that something you guys wanted to put out there and get the buzz and the vibe going in that direction? All right. Let me say about the spaces. I didn't really know what a Twitter spaces was. Uh, one of my boys sent the link to it and I just got in there and then next thing I know I'm talking and then I get off and I find out there's like 5,000 people listening. (laughs) uh, But it was, yeah, it was Mick ASAP. I I don't think he knew it at that point, but I think he was trying to create some buzz. But from my standpoint, I obviously didn't know what was going to happen, but I I was hopeful that um, they would hire someone internally, either him or uh, Coach Reese, who, you know, I, I played for Coach Reese, so I, I know him better, but 
the guys who played for Coach Freeman and everything I've heard about him really like him. So I was hoping for an internal hire just to keep things, um, I guess, as close to how they are now because I think Notre Dame's in a pretty good spot the way they've been playing the last few years and um, great spot moving forward with the recruiting class and everything. So keep keep as many guys on as you could to keep those uh, kids coming in. And, um, you know, just with an external hire, could have been great, could have been someone great, but it, it starts to feel more like a rebuild. So um, I was pretty happy with the choice to – keep coach Freeman on and how much staff we were able to retain. Yeah. I mean, if you, you talk about it, um, just being with Tommy Reese, I played with him and then seeing him coach and then I played with you. So to end up playing with your offense coordinator and playing with you is kind of weird, but talk about the difference in the change in offense that you got to see when Tommy was really running the show, as opposed to when we had all the different types of things we had going on. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, the type of offense. So when I when I played uh, for Coach Reese, he was the quarterback's coach except for one game, which was the bowl game. So for me personally, probably not a ton change because, you know, you go through a whole season with with what's working and um, not a ton's going to change. He, he did throw in some cool stuff that I like, just, you know, motion guys around, getting people in different spots, just as much as you can do pretty much for like one bowl game without, you know, stripping out the offense or anything. But um the, the way I think about Coach Reese and um, how much people like to play for him is like, like you said, like you played for, you played with him. I played with you and then I played for him. So there's not like a huge age gap to like, yeah, it's not a huge like age gap. <laughs> I can feel like I'm close with Tommy. You know what I mean? Like a guy that I can actually like be a person around and not have to be buttoned up around because he's my coach. But at the same time, like he can be very demanding at the right times. And, a lot of times when that comes from someone you respect as a peer, almost not, you know, I don't want to put it on that level too much, but uh, you know, coaches always want players to lead players because it means a lot coming from someone who you respect on that level. So some guy who you can feel comfortable around personally, and then can also get you to, you know, get locked in and get serious at the right times. Like I think that's super valuable. No doubt, no doubt. So once again, it's the Lucky 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 Podcast. I'm Sean Davis at SD2 Mike's. The original Lucky Lucky himself, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. Special guest, Chris Fink at Slippery Fox 10. Slippery Fox. <laughs> the, narrative, the narrative of Notre Dame and wide receivers is you have to wait your turn. And that's the way most team, most people feel. We saw Lorenzo Styles and Deion Cozy get a lot of tick due to injury. Uh, Joe Wilkins got hurt and Avery Davis. Do you think that changes on the Tommy Reese? Do you think incoming freshmen like CJ Williams would get the opportunity to come in and make an impact immediately? Um, yeah, I, I don't see why not. I mean, honestly, I would say that not, not the guys, I would say the guys have had the opportunity. And just because a lot of freshmen haven't played doesn't mean that they couldn't have played. It's just that coming in as a freshman, it's such a change from where you were in high school and the demands are so high that a lot of times, um, you know, a guy that young doesn't have, you know, it doesn't have the trust of the coaches, I guess, to, to take what would come from being in a huge role on that offense. So um, a lot of times you see like with Lorenzo Styles this year, like um, he gets worked in gradually as the season goes on. And by the time you get to late season, like he, he's making plays and he's in there. So he's capable, but. Um, I think there's just such an adjustment period with um, learning the offense and, and being able to handle all the responsibilities that come with uh, being a 
like every down receiver in Notre Dame's offense. And the other thing I'll add to that is that, uh, you know, when you get there as a freshman, there's usually some older guys who are ahead of you on the depth chart, obviously. Yeah. So your first opportunities come as like a giving a guy a breather in a practice or a guy goes down in practice and you got to be ready to be plugged in at, you know, boundary field and slot just because you don't know who's going to need a breather. And if you're the best freshman, they're going to want to put you at any three of those spots. And that's such a hard ask for a young guy to know three spots and to know the whole offense as a, as concepts and not just here's, here's my boundary receiver. Here's the route that I run on this play. So I think that just takes a little longer for some freshmen and um, guys are obviously capable of, you see Lorenzo styles and uh, Deion Colts has been getting in there uh, as well. You know, Lorenzo has been making a lot of plays and racking up some yards here in the last few games. So um, you see guys are capable of it, but, might just take a little longer. Um, going forward, it might not take as long, but we'll see. So as we get ready to go into the Fiesta Bowl, let's get into these two wide receiver cores. And if you want, you know, feel free if you want to throw the tight ends in, in there, that's fine. Mike Gundy has had a great history of being innovative, especially offensively. So this team is a far departure from what we normally get to see. Well, Oklahoma State is definitely uh, inverse of what Oklahoma State has been with the defense being more dominating and the offense sputtering, especially the passing game with Spencer Sanders at the helm. So, you know, they have the long list of put, you know, they always put receivers into the NFL. You got Justin Blackman, you go to Dez Bryant. Give me, I guess, your overall thought about the wide receiver core for the Cowboys. Okay. So before I say this, I do want to preface by saying I'm not, you know, watching tape like I was when I was in college. <laughs> my, my, my main viewing is on a Saturdays of Notre Dame and not Oklahoma State. But I did look into some statistics to prepare for coming on. Oh, man, you know, Lucky that's that alter education, man. Well prepared all day with <laughs> Slippery Fox. He's probably got some betting information for us, too. Uh, if you want some, I'll give you some. But uh, – <laughs> So the, the Oklahoma State wide receivers, as I looked at their stats as a whole, you have Martin at the top with almost 1,000 yards, which is really impressive. I mean, I th- our top guy is Kevin with like 760 or something like that. So obviously they're top performers, top performer, our top performer. And they are pretty uh, balanced from there on out. Um, you know, you got guys with like 300, 400, whatever yards. So like they, they spread it around as we do as well. Um, I have this like – preconceived notion that the big 12 is just a bad defensive conference (laughs) (laughs) so i think that there's something to be said there and i the the only oklahoma state game i really watched this year was them against baylor last week so anybody who's an oklahoma state fan like if i'm totally wrong feel free to get mad at me but i am a biased notre dame graduate former player and now fan so you can't really get mad at that but i mean i i think if you take that at face value that the Big 12 was a bad defensive conference and you see how they played against Baylor and they had like quarterback had some trouble with that Baylor defense throwing some picks and like point in, like the second quarter where they looked like they were just afraid to call a pass like I think our D-line can get to them even more than the Baylor's can and you know, I think I have good good faith in our DBs as well um, and then the other thing I'll say this is what I noticed just from a statistical standpoint um out of all the receivers, their longest catch this season is by their running back for 52 yards. And out of the receivers, it's 38 yards. So they're not really taking the top off anybody. We got through, if you look all the way down, it's like 
58, 60, 50, 40, 55. Like, we got to do is busting explosives all over the place. Not that they can't, but that they maybe haven't. Again, biased viewer, I like the Irish a lot. Irish See, that was, an elite, that was an elite stat. That's a pro football focus type of stat. Knowing the running back had the most explosive play of the season so far. That's why That's why they call you the slippery fox, man. You, they, you always prepare when you least expect it. See, I, I, had, I had to have something to say coming in here, knowing that I don't know really anything about Oklahoma State. <laughs> but that's a, that's a great point I would love to ask you because, you know, the perception of how we go about playing everybody throughout the country throughout the year, Big 12 isn't a, isn't a thought on our mind during the season. Like, oh, they have great teams. Just explain the perception of being in that receiver room, going against different styles of defenses each and every week, and how it kind of – Makes us feel smug talking about an Oklahoma State defense that supposedly is really good, but you know, like you said, we're not really thinking about Big Twelve of a defensive team. But just explain what that that perception and how it changes as you're playing USC one week, UNC the other week, then you're going down and playing an SEC team for the end of the year. It's kind of it's kind of encompasses all of college football almost. Right, yeah, that, that is a fun part of our schedule is that we play people from all over and we're not just kind of in, in one box. But um, I think at my time there, uh, we played Texas my freshman, sophomore year, but I wasn't in those games and I wasn't really having to prepare for for how to play them. So the, the only Big 12 team I actually played against was Iowa State, and they ran that weird, like, 3-3-5 three, three, type defense. That was yeah, that's the, that's the Big 12. Yeah, but um, – Yes, yeah, so you think about uh, conferences in a certain way, and and you know we played Iowa State and beat them. I don't know what it was like, thirty three to seven or something like that. So you see an Iowa State team that like all season has been like doing well in the Big Twelve, and you get on the field with them, and like for me, just kind of solidifies like how I view the Big Twelve. And I'm, I mean, this is 2019, so it's two years ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. teams are good all over the place, but um, even if it's not true, I will say. Um, thinking that doesn't mean you're not going to prepare as hard if you're in the Notre Dame receiver room right now, but it could give you a little extra confidence boost. Like, all right, you know, we got these guys. Big yeah, players. we got these guys. Yeah, yeah, even if it's not true at all, just having a little more confidence going into the game, thinking like I'm better than this team, like that. that yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> it that's crazy. Yeah, especially when you talk about getting to the just explain the relax kind of feeling it is when you're going into a bowl game. Yeah, those 15 practices serious. But it's almost like a mini a mini camp, like you're building back up to it because you took some time off. But just explain the process of those 15 practices before the bowl game. Yeah, that is a good point. We have, especially with no uh, conference championship game, we have that week off and then find out the bowl game and get right into it. So um, you have a long time to prepare. And yeah, like you said, 15 practices. That's as much. That's as much as a spring ball is, which is. <laughs> kind of crazy when you think about it for, for one game. So, um, I mean, usually the first few will kind of be just getting back into it after the week off. Um, not as much scheme, I guess, or preparation exactly for who you're going to be facing. And then, then they'll get into, like, installing specific stuff for the game, um, getting the broad game plan nailed down. And then as the week of the game approaches, you've worked all that and you're pretty solid on it. They can make any tweaks to it that they like or – add little new wrinkles here and there for things that have popped up on film and the further study that they like. So um, it's fun having a game that you can prepare for that long and just see 
um, all the different things that the coaches can think of, all the things that you can see in practice and relay to the coaches. Uh, and then finally getting to, to put it on the field after all that time and uh, culmination of your season and, you know, hoping to end on a win and go into the offseason on a high note. It's it's a really fun experience, obviously. You talk about those 15 extra practices. Who does it benefit more, veterans like a Kevin Austin Jr. or Braden Lindsey, or will it be Deion Colson and uh, Lorenzo Styles Jr. that really benefit the most from these 15 practices going into the bowl game? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think there is a, a really good opportunity for us to benefit the younger guys, um, especially because a, a huge chunk of the practices are when school's not happening. You know, you take your finals midway through that preparation and then it's just football. So it does feel like camp again. So, you know, these kids, um, they have the opportunity if they, if they want to, and they should, but, you know, it takes a while for some guys to figure it out sometimes, but, you know, be in the building all the time get in the film, ask coach everything you need to know and just feel really solid on it. Whereas, you know, in the season, a, a freshman who maybe is still struggling figuring out his, his time management with class and, yeah. you know, he's got practice on top of that and then homework or whatever. They, you know, like I said, you know, the academic stuff, that he, he's having trouble figuring out potentially. Not saying these guys are, but being a freshman, I knew it was kind of a struggle at times and I didn't even have to play. So, um you know, it could be overwhelming to have to figure out what to do on the field and, and balance all your new responsibilities that you're not quite used to yet. So I think I think this opportunity is great for young guys to have just ball, looking forward to a big game, figuring out what the coach is, getting on the field, wrapping it, getting it right. So give us the breakdown of how you thought the individual receivers have uh, developed throughout the season. Braden Lindsay yep. is more of a, you know, take the top off the offense guy. I mean, off the defense guy. I think his route running has gotten a lot better, especially in the last year. Or so Kevin Austin, Austin Jr. To us, we always talked about that we were disappointed in his inconsistency early in the season. How he allowed defensive backs to take him out of his game. He's really grown the last four or five weeks, become more consistent and more dominant. It's almost like, to me, he's almost like a, a Rottweiler, you know, because they're still like 100 pounds when they're babies. So they don't really know that they're big. And it's, uh, it's, it's kind of like he caught up mentally like, oh, I am the big dude. Yeah, I am 6'4". I can't I can go out there and get right. right. Let, me, let me go out here and dominate. And then you have the freshman. How big of a loss for you? you, particularly you worked inside. How big of a loss was Avery Davis, especially at the point in the season that they lost him due to injury? And then having to put a freshman in that spot and change him from being outside, you know, how did that really impact Lorenzo Styles as well? Yeah, so um, I'll start with the Avery Davis injury. Um, obviously, a huge blow. Um, he was consistently making plays for the team, especially when we needed him. Um, and you know, a, a veteran guy who knows what he's doing and knows what everybody else should be doing, and can kind of lead out there on the field as well as on the practice field. Um, so huge blow, obviously, but it's just a testament to Lorenzo Styles and how well he's prepared. Uh, I, I did pro day this past spring at Notre Dame, and I met him and watched a couple practices, and I really liked the way he worked and, and his, uh, you know, desire to learn more and to know more. And it's kind of going back to what I said earlier with, like you said, him being an outside guy, and they bring him into the slot to replace Avery. Um like I said, those freshman guys, their opportunities are going to come yeah. when someone else is go away. So he, it's really a testament to him being ready to play in the slot and not just memorizing, you know, tunnel vision. I got this outside route on this play and having no idea what the slot's doing. So 
Uh, I'm really impressed with what he's done and been able to work his way into the offense on a more consistent basis and make some explosive plays. Um, and then the other receivers as well. Uh, it's a pretty veteran group as far as, you know, what class they are. But as far as getting in a rhythm and having played a lot, like you talk about Kevin Austin, um, I mean, really before this season, the last chance he had to really – play was 2018 which is four years ago and, and that was in a reduced role so um you know he is a senior but in ways he's like a young guy as well early in the season because he's never had the weight of like a miles boy can chase claypool role being in that boundary and being the guy they go to so i mean naturally it would take a little time to figure out usually guys have like me i had a couple years to to get in the offense and and get some action here and there and figure it out and then gradually build that big role. And, you know, Kevin was kind of thrust into it. So I think he did a really good job of, of living up to that. And obviously some struggles came with it, but you know, now that you have a whole season under your belt, basically, I mean, he's just kind of hit a groove. Um, and then Braden as well, you mentioned, I think it's fun for me. Cause you know, I've seen these guys practice all the time while they were young guys and, and now people are getting to see it on the field. So, you know, people, what they had seen of Braden before was basically like jet sweep and post, which that's, you know, that's that's all you see. That's all you know he can do. But I've seen him in practice and know that he can do all the rest of the stuff too. So um, it's been really fun for me to watch him um, and the other guys get in there and have those every down opportunities. And, you know, I'm, I'm bummed that Avery got hurt as well and uh, Joe Wilkins as well because uh, Joe's one of my favorite guys and I was really looking forward to watching him this season. But, um, all things considered, I think the, the Notre Dame receiving core has done a really good job this season of, of stepping up when they need to and, and filling roles that haven't been theirs before. All right, Chris Fink, you are Tommy Reeves from January 1st at about 1 o'clock. How are you attacking this Oklahoma State defense with this wide receiver core? All right. Again, I, I'm not breaking down film on the Oklahoma State defense. <laughs> so, so don't expect me to have any uh, any – any sweet ideas? Don't expect but... us to send this to Tommy to give him some advice. Dude, let, let your bias show through. <laughs> Just let your bias show through. Say yeah, you're going right, to put well, up 500 yards. Through, I mean, <laughs> you, you can't go wrong with what's been going well. So, obviously, you feed Mayer all the time until we can include tight ends. Um, you get Kevin involved, deep balls, whatever, crossing routes, let him get the ball in his hands, get some yak. Um, Lorenzo's been doing the same. You throw him, like, a bubble screen. Once a game, he's going to bust it for, like, 40 yards. Um, and then, you know, use Braden as well, like you, like we've been talking about, get him um, on those comebacks outside, threaten with speed, and then create separation wherever you need to. So that's just what they've been doing all season. But uh, I really look forward to in bowl games because that extra time to prepare, there's always some, like, cool stuff drawn up with, yeah. with some, you know, either trick plays, like not quite trick plays, but things that will make the defense confused. You know, um, you saw it with uh, what Alabama did to – it to everybody in the playoff, us included, last year with like all those Devonte Smith motions, and you know had had dudes just absolutely lost. Like you have all that time to draw that stuff up and work on it. So um, even in the regular season, Coach Reese has had some really cool stuff drawn up that I that I've noticed and loved, and I think he'll you know with this extra time, obviously have some more time to get some stuff like that drawn up. So not going to pretend I know what it's going to be or what it should be, but I will say be on the lookout for some some cool play calls. All right, we got some comments for you here, Chris. Drunk Vigo says, Fink must be making a fortune in crypto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? 
What's that crypto wallet talking about? Yeah, right, talk right, to right. Right. You was up there in San Francisco where all that stuff was going on. Huh? You was up in San Francisco in the beginning where all the crypto stuff, you know, Silicon Valley. I know you got into it. Look, being there doesn't mean you're involved. <laughs> you could, if you're at the Super Bowl, it doesn't mean you played in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get so, it. I mean, I got I got some chump change a little bit just because somebody told me to one time, but yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I, I'm worried about how they how they get such a specific comment that you've been diving into the crypto world, like they exposed your secret or something. Like I don't know. I don't know if I just look like a guy who would be doing it, which I don't think is necessarily a great thing. <laughs> yeah, that might be the new compliment moving forward, man. You like a guy that, that gets into crypto pretty heavy, man. You... I don't think I don't think I want that as my as my brand. But if it happens, so what? Straight up. Lucky Lucky Podcast, <laughs> special guest Chris Fink, former Notre Dame wide receiver, NFL wide receiver, right here with myself, Sean Davis, at SD2 Mics, and Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. Now, earlier you did mention that you might have a piece of advice for our listeners and uh, everyone that's watching. So if, if I said, give me a three team parlay. Oh, boy. For the NFL. This <laughs> you, said, you, said, you said you had the tips. So give me a good three team parlay. For for NFL, you said for NFL for oh, NFL. Yeah. I thought we were talking about Notre Dame still. I was just minus <laughs> two. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think we're good on Notre Dame. Whatever. Yo, my lock, my lock this weekend is uh, Green Bay. Who they play? They play the Bears. Oh yeah, at Lambo, and you know after Aaron Rodgers, I had to put him on the petty train for doubling down when he was asked about saying he did double down, huh? Double down, like yeah, I don't regret it. I I, I own them. <laughs> I think it's gonna get worse, and I think that Nagy <laughs> might actually get his pink slip after the game on the field. Like yo, yeah, if Aaron Rodgers beat you after telling you, yeah, he doubled down on it. Yeah, you got Man. to, you got to. You just gonna let him talk to you like that? That's tough. So, I have a piece of video for you guys, man. It's going to lead to a question, right? So, Emil Wagner, offensive tackle for the 2022 recruiting class, you know, had a video go viral for something totally different than what he's coming to Notre Dame for. And it reminded me of a video of another offensive line, great offensive lineman at Notre Dame, Quinn Nelson. He went viral in the same sport. So, you guys check this out, and then I have a question for you. So that's 275 pounds, 6'5", getting up like that. Went viral just like Quentin Nelson when he dunked, you know, leading up to the NFL draft. And teams were like, oh, my God, we didn't know this, this guy was this athletic, as big as he is. My question to you guys is, who was the best hooper on the squad? Oh, man, yeah. Who was the best question. hooper on the football team during your time in Notre Dame? I got my couple of opinions, but – Go ahead. You want me to go? I think you should go, Pink. All right. I will first I'll start by saying you ask almost anybody this on our team and they'll say it themselves. (laughs) (laughs) We would we would get into some heated pickup games. Everybody thought they were the best. And everybody thought, you know, that they could have gone. 
pro in, in basketball if they chose to, but uh, that actually wasn't even close to true for most guys. But uh, I'll say in those pickup games, yeah, the toughest guy to have not on your team was probably Mike McGlinchey in my Oh, opinion. my God. Yes, I was going to say, Mike McGlinchey's a really good basketball player. Dude, <laughs> Dude McGlinchey. No yes. Yeah, was he like 6'8"? He's and like, like unreal. Pounds. Dude, dude, like a big ass Porzingis or something. He can shoot, he can poke. Like Mike is really good. I was dude, so surprised. He does everything. Obviously, he can work you in the post. Like if it's a pickup game amongst the football team, like he's the biggest dude. He's gonna give you some baby hooks and all that. But then he'll step out, he'll handle the ball, he'll facilitate, and he'll knock yes. out. So it was insane. Like, like he's actually a ridiculous basketball player. I'm like. I'm like, Mike, why do you move so good? Like, I'll never forget. I'm like, Mike, you used to look so stiff doing, like, tackle work. Like, you're so unathletic. But you get on the basketball court, you got, like, a Larry Bird game. Like, you're just so – I'm talking about the drop-offs. He's over there doing traffic. <laughs> Dude, you guys have just blown my mind. Mike, <laughs> yep. I think he's he had such a good basketball player. He had basketball office in high school? I think he did. Oh, he had to because yeah. it was just I was just like, Mike, you're playing the wrong sport in the beginning. Cause he was just he would just be so good. And then Ronnie was good too. Ronnie was a good basketball player, but yeah. Ronnie was kind of lazy, you know. But man, like, yeah, we had some real I mean, now you know Ev Ev was really good at, at playing basketball. He just a ball hog. I mean, we had a lot of we had a lot of great basketball players. Even Deshaun can play basketball. Yeah, Deshaun was good. a pretty good baller too. So dude, uh Doug Randolph. Um, I I got a story about Doug. So we, uh, we have another name. This thing called the Bookstore Basketball Tournament, which is like oh, this man. really big uh, five on five tournament that they play. They call it Bookstore because we play it on the outdoor courts outside the bookstore. And we technically weren't supposed to be playing in it when we were there, but everybody had a team. And uh, my sophomore year, I was on a team with Deshaun Kaiser, Montgomery Van Gorder. Doug Randolph, a <laughs> uh, couple other guys. And uh, we, we got to play one game. We, we eventually had to withdraw because another kid who was on the football team tore his ACL. Looks <laughs> yeah, basketball. Yeah. Tore his ACL playing. Oh, my God. Yeah, we can talk about that later. So all, That's all, all the coaches found out and they said, if you're on a bookstore basketball team, you better drop out right now. But <laughs> we got we got one game in. And Doug Randolph, he was a, a defensive lineman, super athletic dude. I don't oh know, like 6'4", whatever. We, our first our first game was against some economics professors. And they, they had their wives and young children courtside watching. And it was just, it was so funny. It was, you know, little kids going, go daddy, go daddy. Yeah. Boom. Doug just dunking all over him. Like not even like these dudes are like standing in the paint trying to take charges like technical basketball. And Doug is just two handed stuffing it in their faces in front of their children. Oh, hey, I'm man. telling you, I'm telling you, Doug was the strongest basketball player I've ever seen. Like, you talk about, he wouldn't just dump regular. Doug would be, like, lifting weights as he's jumping in the air <laughs> to dunk <laughs> Such a, But he was also pretty good. Like, Doug wasn't no slouch. Like, Doug could have could have ran six men after he got done with playing football. He definitely could have gotten the battle because he was ridiculously strong and athletic. So just imagine, like, just a monster, like a Space Jam monster from movie, <laughs> out there on these economic professors. Guys is teaching for a living. He's out there giving lessons. Doug is out there blessing for. 
So what year was that when you guys got banned from the bookstore tournament? Uh, 2000 and it was the spring of 2017. Oh, so yeah, that was coming off that 2016 season. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or wait, yeah, was, before that season. I don't know. It was either way. It, it's indicative. Whatever what year Omar did The Bachelor and Torres ACL, that's the year that we was, uh, he did this, the student version of The Bachelor, and, and then you, he did you the bookmarked with The Bachelor. <laughs> so much crazy stuff happened. <laughs> hey, here's something for you guys. Irish Hammer 54 says, do you guys feel Freeman will bring back the former players and make things more family at Notre Dame like in the past? Get those sidelines full of legendary players to get things hyped. Let's get it. I hope so, because the one thing that prevented a lot of guys now is that you'll call back up to school and they'll act like you're brand new. They'd be like, wait a minute, I'm not a recruit. Like, you know, remember me? I was just there, like, last year. Like, Coach Kelly be quick to be like, oh, I kind of remember you. But now, you know, Marcus Freeman's from Dayton, so I know if anything, me and Fink. Here we go. First-class first flights, passes, yeah. whatever we want, for sure. <laughs> 937, baby. Nine three seven. Come on, it, me think it been something had to crawl for Marcus Freeman to walk. That's don't forget, the, don't don't forget Nick Coleman. Oh, Nick Coleman. Yeah, see, I was saying we got the hidden gems. Nick Coleman definitely too. Man, I just you know what I just realized, Malik. Every guest on our show has been from Ohio to this point. <laughs> That's right. That's I'm, right. I'm always caught in between two Ohio dudes. Who who else would you want? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, yeah, so, I don't understand the options okay. here. I'm glad Chris is here because he can settle this debate, right? So <laughs> Malik was throwing shade at food in Chicago because he was like, dude, the, the city's huge. Like, of course you got decent food. So he's talking about how great the food was in the Dayton area. Yeah, you know, Dorothy Lane Market. Talk about the killer brownies. Talk about the killer, the killer brownies. brownies. The killer brownies. Dude, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, you know, you know who's you know who came up with the recipe for the killer brownie, Malik? Ooh. You remember Connor Wood? Connor Wood came up with no, 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 no. His mom, his mom. Wow. Like one one of my childhood best friends' mom who would cook for us all the time. Her recipe was the killer brownie. She used to work at Dorothy Lane Market, and I think they might have kind of taken it from her, to be honest. Oh yeah, you had to. Yeah, you I, know. You know, but the brown. One word to describe the killer brownie would be killer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but talk about the food, because I'm telling him like we got things that you can't find anywhere else. Like we got things like a Bill's Donuts. We got things like Dorothy Lane. But th there's restaurants. You know what I'm saying? In in Dayton, Ohio, that sets itself apart from an average Chicago pizza thing. Because that's just what everybody wants to talk about. The pizza. Why do you keep yeah, bringing up, great. dude? Only people outside of Chicago talk about pizza in Chicago. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> in Chicago talks about pizza? Are you kidding me? <laughs> really? You're gonna relegate us to just a pizza? That's that's our that's our thing. We just no, I mean I got a, I got a couple of spots, but it's I mean JJ's chicken and fish in Dayton, Ohio oh. is just something different. <laughs> so you think JJ's is better than Harold's? <laughs> Harold's is like point. international. NBA players come in, they land, they go to Harold's. But <laughs> you want to talk about JJ's? Yeah, um, some things just don't change, man. I'll just tell you that. Well, between you and Jordan Cornette, well, I come out and be able to deal. 
Y'all just swear, y'all swear like Ohio is just the best at everything. Listen, two of the top five yeah. teams in the country. You ever been on an airplane? Have you ever yeah. been on an airplane? Yeah, you ever been on an airplane? <laughs> have I ever been on an airplane? Yeah, have you? Yeah. Orville Wilbur Wright, baby. Here we go. Are we are we Dayton, Ohio. Ohio. Yeah, yeah, how you look, how you how are you even gonna be connected if it wasn't for us, man? It's Dayton Dayton makes the world go round. Let's just be honest. Malik, I gave you credit for that. Like the last two episodes when we had guests from Ohio. Did I not? Did it's I just not? You gotta, it's a reoccurring theme, though, because you just find yourself saying, man. All thank I'm you, asking baby. is that you take the pizza tag off Chicago. <laughs> okay. I'm not asking for much. Can we get the pizza tag taken off Chicago? We'll take the pizza tag off. Thank you. <laughs> lucky Lucky Podcast. Chris, do you have to run? No, I'm good. Okay, stick around. Yo, did you guys know that EA Sports just announced they're going to officially drop uh, the return of the college football game, NCAA football, in the summer of 2023. A lot of people are excited about this, but this is my question. You know, I always say, and Malik, you know, you keep running from me and Matt, so eventually it's going to have to happen. <laughs> it's going to have to happen. Nice keep running. <laughs> but it's all good. I feel like, don't you know who a player is immediately when they pick their team? When you see who they pick, you're like, okay, I see, I see how this dude is not that good. When they pick the best team, if you're like picking Tom Brady and Madden just off the bat, I question your skills. Because I figure by the time the summer 2023, Notre Dame squad will be pretty good on that game. Oh, yeah. I mean, Notre Dame squad was good when it when they last dropped in 2014. That's when we were, I mean, I'll never forget we stayed in the dorms. We waited till twelve. We drove to the Walmart. The whole the whole team drove to Walmart. This right. So we played it just to see our ratings on the game. We didn't really play the game for we selfish just, reasons. You just wanted to see your ratings. <laughs> we just had to see what we was. So you were gonna was... bump it up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you were gonna bump up your rating anyway. So this is my question: Who's your alternate squad? Because all three of us are gonna open the game, set up the dynasty with Notre Dame. Right, but you have to have an alternate squad that you rock with, right? Who's going to be the alternate squad? Mine was always Northern Illinois because it was always (laughs) Northern Illinois. Always had a bunch of Chicago area kids that I knew from from watching prep high school football. Yeah, so I knew they went to Northern Illinois, so I would get them and make them better. And eventually win a national championship. That was my alternate squad. If your alternate squad is going to be like Dayton or somebody. If they no, have no, alternate squad, no alternate squad for me was definitely like a mid Tennessee state, you know, middle Tennessee, just because they were so bad. And I used to love, I used to have a playbook. So, you know, I used to just take the playbooks and put on different teams. And when you beat, a, when you beat somebody with the worst team on the game, you're talking about the ultimate brag. So, Right. Middle Tennessee was my team I used to alternate team. Chris, what about you? I'm more of like a three random guy instead of just picking your team. Okay. But if I had to go with one of those, it would probably be Tulane because I like the green wave. And like the green that, wave. You, okay. can put a play, you can put a playbook on anybody. <laughs> right. That's, That's right. true. Facts. I've got Joe Delores says Western Michigan was his squad. And also more love for Ohio. John Clinic, Casey Tasty Diner was with it in Dayton and is Dewey's in Dayton. 
Yeah. Dewey's and Dayton. Dewey's and Dayton. And we got Marion's Pizza. That's another that's another hidden gem. Marion's is right next to our high school. So, you know. And Piata. Look, we got Piata. They Dude, sleep on Piata. Piata is, oh, Italian street food. Beezy <laughs> says, JJ's is slapping with a two-piece fish and fries. <laughs> we, we, we'll take over the whole channel. I might have to turn to the Food Network after this, talking about Dayton. Oh, food. man. These comments. Oh, man. Here we go. Doug Hampton says, Marion's Pizza, Dayton, Ohio. You guys you are loving this, aren't you? WDAO. You Is that like a TV station in Dayton? I don't know. He <laughs> <laughs> got a TV station. Oh, dude. <laughs> Raheem Pelham, love the podcast. Question, I hope I am wrong, but Butler has given me Wimbush vibes. Great runner, but never improved this actually as a passer. Thoughts. I Can mean, you tell him that this is it's a straight system question? But let me say I will not tolerate any Brandon Brandon Wimbush. Yeah. Right. Waves, please. My college roommate, one of my best yeah, friends. Yeah, that's right. Tell him how Brandon could throw. It just if you tell him to run 50 times in a row and then tell him to pass, it's not an easy thing to do. That's a good point. Coming from a quarterback, you would know better than I. I will say Brandon had one of the best deep balls I've ever received in my life. That's right. In general. Um, but, yeah, I mean, people don't know how hard it is, and people love to critique. Um, so, like I said, I'm not tolerating any Brandon Wimbush slander. You guys can speak on it if you want, but that's my boy. No, that's we, talk, we talked about it, I, and I've talked to people around the program that work for various publications that cover Notre Dame during that time. I don't think they did a really good job of building the offense around Brandon's skill set. I think yeah. it was kind of like, you know, fit a square into a, a you know, peg hole. You know, just you for trying to force him to run your offense instead of really building the offense around his attributes. I mean, he was he was a dominant runner of the football. Dominant. Like he could take over games, like that USC game, that USC night game. He just took over in the first half. And it was like, okay. And then people get upset. They always want to point out the Miami game. And I think ultimately that's that's when we saw Ian come in in the second half and then things kind of changed from there. But, man, he was a stud, especially if you go watch his high school film. Like, you're looking like, yo, this dude can, like, sling the rock all over the place. And then all of a sudden he gets to know the name. I don't. I just think, from what I've heard, that they didn't do a good job of forming an offense around his skill set. But how does that happen? I mean, that's your starting quarterback. You talking about the offensive fit isn't right for him. I just think that's a part of a bigger scheme at the end of the day. It has to be. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think was there 2017, 16. So you know more than I would because I had left at that point. Right. Um, no, I think that's a good assessment. I mean, I think Brandon probably just wasn't able to ever get comfortable, um, with what they were asking him to do. Obviously you said he's a great runner and, um, you know, the offense could have been formulated better to, to his skill set as well. But, um, you know, he, he was a great player in my mind and, um, unfortunate how, how things turn out sometimes with, you know, him, him ended up leaving, but, um, yeah, I just I, I think he was a good player. I think like so many good players in college football, 
um, you know, things don't always stack up in a line um, to the, to the perfect narrative or storyline that you would want. But um, I, I, you know, up until that Miami game, I mean, people, people were loving them. The fans turned so quickly, which bothers me. Like, uh, I don't know, even this comment just came in, like Tyler Buckner's played like a little bit this season and this dude's already worried about, you know, oh, he can't play next season. Like, just let the kid, give the kid a chance. And he hasn't played football since like 2019. Right. <laughs> Steps on the campus and like you expect him to be Joe Montana. Yeah. In his piece. It's like, no, I just do not expect him to have a hamstring. Yeah, now that's crazy. You know, we don't <laughs> see a lot of quarterbacks pull a hamstring running. <laughs> if he don't have a hamstring injury, that's, I mean, come on. What quarterback that's not starting all season gets a hamstring injury? They're running too hard. You didn't even have a hamstring injury. Did, no, you did. That, but you know, I, 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 that's what's been killing me lately is hamstring. Yeah. Injuries, so, like, you're a receiver, though. How hard is it to do even do that? You would have to be straining yourself, right? I don't know. I, I will say, once you get one, it's so easy to get a second. Oh, my goodness. That's terrible. Yeah, oh, boy. Pressure. You guys know about this one? The little burger cart. See, they popping up now. I they popping up with all types of stuff now. I don't, I don't know if that's the name of the place or if there is a little burger cart. I, I don't, I've never. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, it might just be a cart somewhere. Unless you talking about uh, Boltsies. You ever had Boltsies? That that is a little burger cart, but that's not the name of it. That's not the name of it though. Absolutely, they got to go to uh, what is it called? Um, Oakwood's Pine Club. See, they don't even know about that. No, there's there's the Oakwood Club and then there's the Pine Club. Two oh, separate yeah, things. Yeah. Yes, the two different places. The Pine Both Club. Both great. Both great. We got to take you there, Sean. Definitely. Hey, I'm all for it. So we're hitting, man, when we go for the Ohio State game to do the live show, we're Are you going, going to, Mama, to we're going to Mama Zaire's house, right? We're going to Grandma's house. Oh, yeah, that's that's next level, though. That's that's a holiday event. That's a Thanksgiving, okay. a Easter, you know, you go over to Grandma's house, but we're going to start slow with you, Sean. We're going to have to build you up through the history. No, 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 I love cuisine. You don't have to start slow. <laughs> you can throw me in. Don't treat me like that. Put me in. I know all the route trees when it comes to food. Dude. Like, put me in. Throw you in there. Throw me in. Give me the best that Dayton has to offer. And I'll let you know, especially if we're talking fish and chicken. That's right. That's right. See somebody stood up for us, man. Stand up, Chicago. Search the green nine. Girl in the goat. I got to go with Chicago. Girl in the goat is the best. Okay. Downtown area, very smooth, slick back. You can come in there casual. You can actually come in there on a date. Very versatile spot. Great food. Y'all definitely winning with the names. Girl in the yeah, goat. Check it out. <laughs> it's the goat city. <laughs> it's the goat city. You just had to throw the girl in there. I'll stop, stop short of saying we have the best girls. <laughs> I'm short of that. But we definitely are the ghost city. All right. So I don't know if you guys heard this. Like, it, it was all good just a week ago. But yesterday, according to sources that talked to Pat 40, the NCAA has uh, rendered Kenny Pickett's fake slide illegal. Really? Yes. So quarterbacks... Can't have that in their arsenal. Hey, I thought it was a sweet move, personally. For nobody ever really think of that to do it, 
It was definitely sweet, but I mean, you know, you think about safety. If we start accepting fake slides, just imagine the type of hits we're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the, a lot of people are upset this morning. I don't know if you guys saw it. The Walker Camp All-American team came out first and second team. And, uh, yeah, what a bullshit-ass list. Man, I'm very shocked by some of, of course, Kyle Hamilton, first team at safety. But David Bell. First team over Jameson Wilson. I mean, yeah. Jameson Williams. That's a shock to me at the wide receiver position. Now, don't get me wrong. David David Bell was dominant. He was dominant this year. And I will say Cam Hart probably had one of the best games of any defensive back against oh, David yeah. Bell. David Bell, yeah, straight up. He gave up one big catch, and that pretty much was like 60% of his yardage that game. He held him under 100. But Dude, Jameson Williams has been dominant. And I don't think David Bell is better than like Gary Wilson, in my opinion. Yeah, they didn't have they only had they had uh the only Ohio State receiver Chris Olave. He was the second, second team. team. Yeah. The two first team was David Bell and another surprise. It was the kid from uh where was he from? It was another it wasn't any top. top oh, Jordan, Jordan Atkinson from Pittsburgh. Yeah, Jordan yeah. Atkinson from Pittsburgh. So I'm like yeah, he's played. He's did. He's done damage though. He's done damage, but that's not the. That's not who I was thinking of as a first team. You know, I'm thinking of Jamison Williams. I'm thinking of the Chris Olaves of the world. But oh, the biggest, know. the biggest mistake to me is quarterback. Yeah, the quarterback was crazy. Like, there's too. no way Kenny Pickett should be over Bryce Young. Right, I don't think Kenny Pickett has had a Heisman moment. Even the move was a Heisman like, but that's not a Heisman moment. You got Bryce Young playing Auburn, coming back from playing Auburn, doing what he did against Georgia. He's definitely a first-team guy, but maybe it's because he's a freshman. Would you say Kenny Pickett had a better season than C.J. Stroud? Oh, man. I think people counted that Michigan game so much against the Ohio State Ohio team. Ohio State team, like, yeah. That's the only formidable opponent that they feel like they probably faced all year. Yo, that's why C.J. Stroud was petty early in the weekend. Was like, man, if it wasn't snowing, we would have lit them dudes up. Tell, <laughs> hey, tell, tell the podcast about the the perception of how we feel about Michigan, and 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 if we think they're actually really good or not. I feel like we have the same perception of Michigan. I know the name as Ohio State has of Michigan. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, I mean, I only played them two times while I was there, so it's not like an every year rivalry. Um, so it's, it's a little different as well for like fans who have been Notre Dame fans their whole life and been playing, you know, been watching Michigan games for a long time, as opposed to like players who get there and have never played them and haven't been a Notre Dame fan their whole life. So I would say the rivalry doesn't feel as intense as like a USC does just because we play them every year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's obviously a huge game, um, general dislike between the teams, I think. And. You know, we went one and one against them. We won at home and got smoked in the big house, which was a huge bummer. Um, but I I do love to beat Michigan as a player. Um, but I I don't I, I don't view them as like my least favorite team. And you know, I, at Ohio State they, they won't even write an M on the campus that week, so like <laughs> it's, it's not quite the same. Yeah, that's 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 a little deeper than I think most Notre Dame's Notre Dame fans feel about Michigan. Yeah. That's not even Michigan's not even like the rival I dislike the most. 
Like, yeah, who was the rival you disliked the most? USC. Gotta be. USC. Yeah. Because my dad, my dad is a huge USC, USC fan. It's like my dad grew up in the era when they had like that run of running backs. You know, it was like Charles White, OJ, and they just had running back after running back, and that's when he fell in love with USC. So growing up, that's like USC, USC. And then when my grandfather took me to my first Notre Dame game, I was like, thank you. <laughs> it was like I had been smothered all my life, and I finally like saw the light. Like, oh, man, there is something besides USC. And that's why I became a fan immediately, man. So, yeah, USC is like – my most hated rival. And of course, where does my money go, Malik? For tuition? <laughs> for my daughter? USC. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a double entendre or something like that. Cool. Life comes full circle, right? It does. It does. Here's another. Let's get to some of these comments, man, so we can get out of here. Hamburger Wagon in Dayton, Ohio? I, I think people are making stuff up. Yeah, yeah they, carts and wagons and uh, I don't know. I haven't heard of the last four. But <laughs> It's called the Hamburger oh. Wheel. It's literally a little cart. It's awesome. Been there since 1913. I got to check it out. See, the history just keeps growing with Dayton. I turn around and find something new out every day. Shout out to Irish Hammer, who's always checking in with us, 54. Fantastic show. Thank you. Lucky, Lucky Lefty is the best. We appreciate you, LL Nation. Go back to the top. Akron Zips for me, talking about the team. Sean Hunter said that's the team, the alternate team he uses. Probably the only person that uses Akron Zips. <laughs> yeah, I've been good since before I was even here. I do want to ask you, though, Chris Fake, you know, going into those those big bowl games, you've been on a lot of up and down seasons, but mostly good seasons. What was the attitude of the locker room? What was your attitude going into our big bowl games that you were able to be a part of? Um, I think the attitude was always the same. It's just like a general excitement to play the game and obviously a desire to win. One thing that frustrates me is when, um, like, for example, this season, I don't know if anyone said it yet, but this is the type of season where someone might is, uh, you know, Notre Dame just missed the playoff. They probably don't care about this game. They're probably more disappointed about missing the playoff than winning this game. Yeah, that disappointment happens for, I don't know, a, few, a couple of days and you have so much time to shake it off. Like, if you think a dude playing in a college football game doesn't want to win that game, more than any fan wants him to win it or anybody watching, like you're out of your mind. Like dudes want to win. Dudes are preparing to win. It's not like, Oh, let's go to, where is it? Uh, Phoenix. Let's go to Phoenix and hit the casino. And then a game will happen. Like that's not, that's not how it is. I've always been super <laughs> yeah, excited. Definitely not, yeah. I want to beat the team we're playing because as fun as like a bowl game is and a bowl trip is like, if you end the season on a loss, like a lot of people don't know this, like your off season workouts are just going to be so miserable. Yeah. Like, like, Coach Bayless will, will make it just a little bit harder. Just, like, if you end on a win, it's just a little bit nicer going in the offseason. Even if it's not that much – it won't be, like, easy. You're still going to work hard. But, like, just the attitude in the building will be like, all right, like, big. we ended on a big win. Like, great great momentum rolling into the next year. Like, everybody wants to win. All right, Ethan Brown – or Ethan Broom, I'm sorry. Yo, Z, Coach D, I'm assuming he's talking about Driscoll over IB said if I wanted to know how good Nicholas Iamaliva is is to ask you. Do we uh I believe you have a a, a video up about yeah. Dante Moore and I am a Libra on our YouTube channel so you can search the archives for that. But go ahead. You're right out there. You've seen the young man. How good is he? I think he can be really good just considering you know having a, a height that he does and being able to be athletic with it. 
I think that's just changing another part of the game that we can have where we have tall athletic quarterbacks making plays. Obviously, it would be helpful to, for him to see over the line. And, you know, what he's been able to do in high school has been pretty impressive considering uh, he's not a standstill guy. The last quarterbacks over 6'5 that I've seen are standstill guys, but not this kid. So it could it could be different dynamic for a team, especially like Notre Dame. It's Santillo. It's Santillo. Shaw, I guess he meant Sean. Chris and Malik, my guys, love the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Love you, too. Uh, Jonathan Hakima, thanks for checking in once again, as you usually do. I usually went with UAB. I was sold by the Drago. Yeah, yeah, they are the Dragons. No, the logo is the Dragons. It's the the Blazers. The Blazers, yeah. Blazers. That should be a question. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, man, anything special? That you want to point out, Chris, um, what are you doing? Let fans know where they can follow you. And uh, other than getting ready to get back on the field in the NFL, is there any else, anything else you want to promote? Um, oh, I'll promote this shirt I'm wearing. Where is it? There it is. JM, Jake Max. It's a company started by my buddy um, named after his cousins, Jake and Max, who have special needs. And uh, all the designs on the shirts are uh, by people with disabilities. So it's a cool thing if you want to check it out, but, um, no, nothing, nothing really to plug other than that. It's been a great time being on the lucky lefty podcast with you, Sean and Malik. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um, it's, it's just been great chopping up with you guys. I had a great time. Yo, yeah, man, we want to see you back out there, man. Thank you. And next time for the fans, hopefully you'll have more crypto information. Cause I guess you did. Let me tell you something, man. I'm going to leave this show mind blown. I, all day, I'm going to think about Mike McGlinchey hooping, man. I ask you about it. It's it's a great. I'm telling you, you'll be like, you need a hoop mixtape or something, man. You no, really so now because you were in San Fran, right? You played mm-hmm. with the 49ers. I did for a little bit last so year. Was he out there busting like NFL players on the court too? No, 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 nobody was playing basketball while I was out there. Okay. Um, <laughs> now who are you making that? That right there, I'm like, wait a minute, man. Oh, I did look it up. He had offers from Penn State and Boston College in basketball. Yeah, Boston yeah he was legit. Mike was legit. For yeah. Sure. ACC basketball player. <laughs> Yo, that's bananas. So Mike was always the first pick. Like, <laughs> you pick yeah, a team, Mike, like, you like that, Mike. Yeah, he's just super athletic to be playing basketball to be as big as he is. And it's just uh yeah, you just it just makes you laugh a little bit, man. It tickles you for you to, for the day. All right, this has been the Lucky Lefty Podcast. Chris, before we let you go, I'm sure it's gonna have plenty of bias in it, but uh what's your final score for the Fiesta Bowl? Final score for the Fiesta Bowl. Notre Dame 38, Ooh. Oklahoma State. 14. Oh, we putting up points. Points. Kevin Austin, you hear that? You hear that thing? Kevin Austin, Brady Lindsay, Kyron Williams, y'all hear that? Michael Mayer. Ain't got y'all boys putting up 38. We like it. Who was that that said 30? Somebody said 35 to 10, right? The yeah, other I think day. Somebody yesterday said 38 10. 38 10. And well, we were like, the 10 is more likely. Like, we, we definitely believe that Oklahoma State's going to be in the teams. So, yeah, one hundred percent. But then, dude, Spencer Sanders might give you fourteen. 
Maybe. Chris, you're absolutely right. You know, if the Baylor defensive line made him uncomfortable, Marcus Freeman and this defensive line, yeah, it might be a long day in the desert for the Cowboys. Let's hope so. Man, absolutely. This has been the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We thank Chris Fink at Slippery Fox 10 for joining us. Once again, we're featuring and brought to you by Honora Whiskey. Go to honorawhiskey.com. Get some of that premium American whiskey, something to sip on on January 1st to get you through the game, even if you want to have a little stogie along with it. It's the perfect thing to go with. It'll go perfect in a stocking for somebody as well for Christmas. Honora Whiskey, get that premium American whiskey. And don't forget Fashion Geek. We run the city. AlonzoJackson.com. We'll put both links in the description of this podcast. We thank everybody that's joined in. LL Nation, as always, we salute you. Don't forget, subscribe, share, like. We're up there, man. We have a special, special package that's going to be going out to our 1,000 subscriber. Our 1,000 subscriber. We get in there, and we're looking forward to continuing to grow. We appreciate you guys for all your support. Once again, we'll see you next Monday. Unless we have a reason to chime in this weekend with some breaking news. We'll see you Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. For my guys, Chris Fink and Malik Zaire, have a great weekend. And as always, we spend it different. Go Irish.